Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four. So this next episode is going to take a little bit more of a sinister turn than what you're probably used to. Now, we've all heard that the devil comes in several forms. And if you've watched some of my other TikTok lives with certain friends of mine, when we're together, certain entities come out through spirit boxes or Ouija boards or um, some stuff of that nature, and you'll understand the concept of where I'm going with this. Now, for those of you who don't believe in the underworld, that's okay. I just encourage you to listen and keep an open mind, and I want you to at least uh, share with me your opinions on anything you may have of this situation for the story I'm about to tell you. So, when I was transferring to a new shift as an EMT, I was being tossed around a lot randomly to placing on random shifts with random partners, um, one of which I'm going to refer to as Jay for privacy reasons, and she was a paramedic. So her and I were working together, and we got placed on this truck, and we got along great. She was a great person. I loved working with her. We started talking to each other instantly. We became really good friends, and she started asking me about my hobbies. So instantly, I go right into the occult stuff. So then we start discussing these adventures that I had been on and all my experiences, and then we get our most dramatic call of the evening, which was a psych patient who was already harming himself. So we stop what we're doing, we drive to the scene, there's a bunch of firemen out front, we're the only ambulance on scene. We, it was a very busy day, and we were waiting on police because this man had already harmed himself and was threatening to harm himself and others if we had approached him. Now there was already these crisis service workers that had just recently came in contact with him about a week prior, they stated that he was new to the program and that his parents were somewhere in the scene with us. Finally, she grabs his father and brings him over to us. Mom and dad state that this guy had been telling them that there was people in the house when there weren't, and they've checked everywhere. He said that there was a man staring at him when he fell asleep. He was hearing voices in his head and that they were telling him to do these crazy things, but he wasn't going to do them. Then they told us that a couple days ago, he started saying that the devil was watching him and the devil was following him. So finally, the police officers show up and they gear up and they're ready to go in. And then the parents, the police and the behavioral health workers are basically arguing about how to go in there, how to approach him because he still has a weapon. And he's screaming at everybody about how if they come in there, he's going to hurt someone or himself. Now, this went on for probably about 10 minutes or so. And the crisis worker comes out of the house screaming with blood on her hands and I had no we didn't know she was in the house we don't know if she was a hostage or what she was but I guess she was one of the health workers trying to calm him down and she comes out she's covered in blood and she said he started to carve things into his arm and she was saying that she was covered in his blood and then he like mutilated his own throat and he was still screaming at her that he was going to hurt her. Now, we couldn't do anything because we we're still waiting on the police to bring him out. So everybody's arguing. Everyone's trying to come up with a game plan. Me and my partner are looking at each other and we're like, let's just prepare for this craziness, you know, because if he comes out, we're going to have to wrap him up fast and stop his bleeding. Next thing you know, everybody just stops. And this man walks out of the house covered in blood. His throat is gashed open. Somehow he's still functioning, so he didn't hit any major airways or arteries, thank God. And he just threw the knife into the lawn and said he was ready, ready to cooperate. And we all just looked at each other. The cops handcuff him instantly, and then they cuff him to the stretcher. 
We get him in, we start wrapping him up. He's got blood everywhere and he's just nonstop bleeding. Once we load him into the ambulance, you know, we want to get him away from the street view so nobody sees him. So I'm in the back with my partner. She's getting all of her stuff ready. I'm just tending to the man's wounds. I'm cleaning him up. And when I look on his arm, the letters L-U-C were carved into his arm. My stomach began to turn and I just, of course, I had to ignore it and I had to keep wrapping him because he was bleeding heavily out of these wounds. This is, you know, of course, after I clean up the blood and I start noticing the carvings, well, then I, you know, wrap him up everywhere and he's just looking at me with these cold, blank stares. And he looks at me and he says, you know, he was coming for you, right? I shook my head off and I said, excuse me? And he said, the devil, you know, he was coming to get to you, right? And I wasn't really sure what to say. So, of course, you know, I have to go along with my job because I, you know, I got to remember this is a psych patient, but nobody really knows what I do. So I just start wrapping up the guy's neck and, you know, he starts talking oddly, like he's saying, you know, I think you're going to choke me. I think you're going to kill me. And I'm thinking, okay, he's definitely got some paranoia going on. And as I wrap him up, he's saying, he's going to get you soon. You know, you're going to, you're going to see him soon. And I just said, yeah, well, when I, you know, when I see him, I'll be ready. And he looks at me and he says, you will not be ready because he is coming for you. That's why he came to me first. You're different. My stomach was just turning and I'm getting like this just terrible, sinister feeling. Like all the happiness and the warmth just turned into cold and emptiness. It was terribly crazy. So we got that guy to the hospital, and he never really talked to me that much because I was driving. So I didn't get to deal with him after that, thankfully. But it was still pretty creepy. Now, they were still kind of tossing me around from partner to partner, and I was able to go with a new partner uh, about two days later. And again, for privacy, we're going to again call this guy Jay. So we had also spent the whole day together. But for some reason today, you know, I felt like I should just leave the occult stuff out of it, considering some of the stuff that had just happened. So I left that detail out. And then once again, we get a phone call for a psych patient who is having some type of psychotic episode. So we drove all the way across the city to get to this call. We were some of the last trucks available because the whole night was just extremely busy. 
and we approach the house very slowly, not knowing what to expect. And the police officer comes out, he grabs us, and he tells us, um, Mom says the kid took some drug, and now he's having a break. So I don't know what kind of drug he took. The cops don't know what kind of drug he's, he's taken, and Mom doesn't know. So we go in there. The whole living room is trashed. There's glass on the floor. You know, they're telling us, watch where we step. The TV is shattered. And... The very first thing I noticed when I lifted my head up was that there is a crucifix above the TV and it was hanging upside down. It's laying on his back. It almost looks like a four-year-old having a temper tantrum and he's screaming at the police officers that there's a demon in my house. There's a demon in my house and he is screaming it loudly and firmly. And the cops are saying, okay, well, we'll take the demon out, but I think you need to come with us. And he was not cooperating. He was screaming in, at the police. Um, and the cops were just like, all right, well, we're going to give him some space. Let's see if he calms down on his own for first. We don't want to engage in, you know, physical harm. So the police exit. I'm in the other room with the mother. And the mom's, like, crying. I get the story from her, and she says, well, I went to the bathroom to take a shower. I heard all this banging. When I came out, he was trashing my living room, and he said that there was a demon in the house. So as I'm sitting in there talking with her, she's telling me what happened. I'm noticing that there's another gentleman in the kitchen, and I didn't know who he was. And at first, I thought it was a fireman or police officer. And mom looks at me and says, there's no one else in the house. I said, no, there was a man in the kitchen. And the mom said, no, 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 no. There's no one else here. There's nobody in the kitchen. So then I start thinking there's definitely something occulty, supernatural going on in this house. So I'm talking with mom and she's got pictures of Jesus and Mary all over her dining room. Everybody grabs one another and they're like, all right, we're going to go outside. So we all step outside. The guy gets up. We see him in the window. He's thrashing and trashing everything. He's slamming glass, windows, televisions, tables. He's smashing everything. And then he just keeps screaming that there's a demon in here. There's a demon in here. And he keeps talking about religion and going to hell and all kinds of behavior displaying schizophrenic, uh, psychotic episodes. Meanwhile, I've got mom with me outside and she's kind of upset and she's, you know, telling me I'm not even worried about this. That's material stuff. Money comes and goes. I can replace that if need be. I'm just worried about my son, which I told her, you know, I totally agree with you. I understand. We're going to try to help him as best as we can. And she says, what person did you see in my kitchen? And I said, I don't know. He, it just, it looked like a person. And I just thought there was somebody standing there. I thought it was one of us. And she looked at me and she said, you seen what I seen. And I said, what do you mean? And she's like, you saw the spirit. And I said, spirit. And of course I'm trying to like play dumb. I, I can't, you know, I wasn't one to exactly go out there and tell everybody what I could do or see because I didn't want to draw that kind of attention to myself, especially when working with serious matters. And mom tells me her family was spiritistas, which, you know, is a Hispanic term for basically mediums. And I don't want to dive too much into that culture because I don't know much about it. I just know she had said that they were basically mediums and her grandmother did a lot of spell work against spirits and stuff 
so she's telling me all this stuff and she's like you know i was born with it but i chose not to accept it and now i pray to saints you know just to help protect me because i knew something was going to happen and she looked at me and she's like and you have it too you have that gift i know you do and i'm like okay you know i'm just kind of going along with it i don't want to blatantly talk about it well you know of course it's kind of awkward considering what was going on so the police are trying to strategize a plan about, you know, how to go in. Maybe we have to grab him. Maybe, you know, he'll come out softly. How are we going to do this? So mainly I look up and I'm trying to think, you know, is there maybe an exit you guys can go into? And just as I'm saying this, the police officer says, well, if we do that, we're going to have somebody stay out here so you guys are safe. And then I just look up and see a shadow figure in the window. And I'll never forget the shadow figure. It was like a helmet with horns. And I paused for a second, and I I know what I'm seeing, and I know this is not in the physical world. So the mom looks at me, and she's like, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. And the officer's like, what are you talking about? And I said nothing, and I'm trying to brush it off. And thankfully, he didn't pay much attention to it. So the cops enter the home, and as they're entering... He says, no, 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 get out, get out. You're going to make him mad. You're going to make him mad. The cops just tackle him, and they put him on the stretcher. They handcuff him, and they're checking him for weapons. And Mom says, you know, I think he has a knife on him. They pulled out this satanic athame from his pocket, and it was very horrific symbols on it. I mean, it was clearly used in satanic rituals. What kind, I don't know. I don't know what he had been doing. I don't know where he got it from. But his mother looks at me and she's like, see, see, I told you, I told you, I told you something's going on with him. So the cops load him into the stretcher. They handcuff him. And he's secured tightly in there. And he looks at me just as they're loading him in. And he says, you, you, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. This is why this is happening. And I don't know what to do. I'm just kind of going along with it. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, he's he's not in the right state of mind. So we put him in the, we put him in the back seat and... My partner, Jay, says, well, just in case he did take something, I'll take this call in case something goes with his heart. Because with him being a paramedic, he would have to take the higher level of care anyway. So I said, okay, I'll drive. So I told mom, you can jump in the passenger seat with me and we'll, we'll do this together. So mom's panicking and she's trying not to let her emotions out. And I'm just telling her, you know, I'm here for you. You could talk, you could let it out. You don't have to deal with this until we get to the hospital. This is your break time. Meanwhile, there's a police officer and my partner securing him in the back. And my partner says, I think we'll be okay from here. As long as he's secured, you guys can, you know, just follow us and we'll pull over if we need assistance. The cops don't have a man to spare anyway. So they all just get in their squad cars and they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll follow you. So as we start driving, the squad cars follow us. And my partner is talking to the patient. He's trying to calm him down. There's nothing working anyway. He's just talking about the devil and how we're all going to die. And there's a demon after him. And he's saying, it's that guy's fault. It's that guy's fault up there. And he's saying it firmly. I can hear everything. And the mom looks at me and says, you've seen it. You've seen what I've seen. And I said, okay, ma'am. I'm like, yeah, I, I did. You know, your son's just having a bad day. And I'm like, you know, they'll fix him at the hospital. And she says, no, you saw the thing. You saw what that thing did to him. You know it. And she's 
just put her hand on my shoulder and she said, you can tell me. I know. I know a lot. And I know you're hiding it. So finally I said, okay, yeah, I seen it. I did see it. And I'm like, you know, I don't like to put it out there because I'm on the clock. And she said, listen, you have it in you and it's going to happen one day. You can't hide it. So her and I were just talking about it. And I'm trying to, you know, counsel her on how to get these kinds of things taken care of. And I was in no way, you know, I had no knowledge of exorcisms or anything like that. I told her, I don't even know if what I'm going to, you know, saying a quick prayer to Archangel Michael, I don't know if that would work. And she said, well, I always pray to Archangel Michael anyway, because I'm always afraid something like this was going to happen. As she's talking to me, I just happened to look in the rearview mirror, and there was a werewolf-like face looking right back at me. Uh, it was like a gorilla wolf-looking texture, like fur all around, yellow eyes, not apparition form. It was right there. And I jumped, thinking that there was something sitting on my shoulder. And when I gasped, she said, you saw that too. And I said, saw what? There was something right here. And she says, I know, and it looked like a wolf. So now I'm like, all right, this woman's definitely legit, so I'm not going crazy. I know there's definitely something more happening here. So many times there was cars honking at us, and I was driving perfectly fine in the lane. It was like there was traffic trying to hit us or traffic trying to get us rear-ended something was just very off about everything so I keep looking in my side mirrors to make sure that there is some squad car following us finally my partner crawl crawls um, over to the window and he says you might have to get back here and pull over something's wrong with his cuffs and I'm thinking oh my god what could possibly be going wrong now and he was like he's slipping his hands out so the handcuffs that they've got, somehow they were tightened and now they were becoming loose and his hand was coming out. Handcuffs can't do that. So we thought maybe, you know, because he was sweating so much, maybe he was able to loosen it up. That was my guess. So I pulled the van over, jumped in the back, and we're trying to just get him to calm down. And he started freaking out to saying he couldn't have me near him because the demon was getting angry with me near him. And now I'm kind of scared. Now I'm thinking, okay, there's definitely something there. And it's after him or it's after me or something's got to conclude here. He started lurching himself up saying he's going to break out. All I did was put my hand on his shoulder and there was like a flash of light. It was like, a, like the clap of lightning in a storm. And I was like, whoa, did you see that? The lights in the ambulance started flickering. And he said, yeah, I seen that. And I said, well, did the lights just flash? And he goes, what flash? So my partner didn't see this. The mom is standing in the ambulance door and she looks at me and she's nodding her head. Finally, the cops are like running right up to the ambulance and, you know, they tighten the cuffs, they hold them down again, they readjust everything. And a cop says, I'm going to ride with you guys. And they just left the squad car on the side of the highway. And luckily, another officer was nearby. Somehow they were able to manage to get it. They figured it out. And he said, okay, it's more of a safety issue now. So we finally get to the hospital and we wheel him in. And he actually did not scream the rest of the way. He was actually sleeping the rest of the way to the hospital. So I don't know if maybe the police officer scared him into acting right or whatever the case may be. 
but we got all the way to the psych hospital and he was fine. Okay, so we now got the man to the hospital and he was being checked in, he was registered, he was pretty calm for the most part. Um, still conscious, but just very quiet. And he was still whispering stuff to himself, so he wasn't entirely calm, but he was at least not screaming at everybody. And then a couple times I did hear him mouth the word demon and devil all over. So mom is over him, and mom's saying a couple prayers, and she's like, just talk to me, baby. You know, just, just talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? How can I help? So basically, once we had gotten him checked in, he was technically out of our hands. But... With the excitement, you know, it was going to take me and my partner a couple more minutes extra to just kind of die down and unwind after that. So the cops were going to escort him into the ER and basically stay until he could go to the psych floor. So the mom said, you know, if you're going to be here for a couple minutes, can I buy you a coffee? I really feel like I owe you something. And I said, you know, ma'am, you really, you don't owe me anything. And she's like, I know, but you have that thing. And you're just like me, and I feel like I need to buy you something. I feel like I should. So I said, okay, you want to buy me a coffee? We'll go to a coffee. So we walk down to the coffee shop, and as we're walking, she's telling me about her family and how her grandmother could do these things, and she was always talking to spirits, and she always said something like this was going to happen one day, and she was always trying to prepare herself, and how she never actually practiced. And she's like, you know, after today and after meeting you, I feel like I should start practicing. And I said, well, just, you know, I gave her my own personal advice. And I said, just be prepared that you're sure that this is what you want to get into because it's going to, you know, you don't always know what you're getting into and you could open up your mind to a whole whirlwind of stuff. And she said, well, I know you're going to get better at this too and you're going to get a lot more into things that you don't know about, which I agree with. And she was right. <laughs> Even to this day, you know, I, I have. And... We continue, we get our coffee, and she just can't stop thanking me. And she's like, you know, I I knew so much about my son, and even right now, I felt like I almost knew nothing about him. And I said, you know, pills can do that to you, and so can the other spirits from down below. And she just nods her head, she says, I 100% agree with you. So we keep walking down the hallway, and she's like, you know, what do you think that that flash of light was that was weird I've only seen that a few times and she said you know my grandma used to tell me when you see a light flash that means an angel is coming in and I said that could have very much have been an angel or that could have been you know my own spirit with his spirit you know willpower is a very strong thing to this day we still don't know what that flash of light was all we know was whenever my hand touched this man's shoulder and as we're walking, we enter the ER. She looks at me and she says, you do carry a lot of angels with you, but there's one angel particularly that I have always keep seeing since you walked into my house. And I said, okay, well, what's he look like? And she said, he's the Irish man and he doesn't have any hair and he's got big blue eyes. That was my dad. So I got chills totally you know down my spine all over my arms and I told her that's my dad and she said well he is strong honey and he's got your back in everything you do 
So she smiles at me and she says, but I don't like to do that publicly. So she's like, you know, you consider that as part of a payback too. And we were laughing and, you know, she's telling me, God bless you, honey. I hope you find happiness one day. I hope God blesses you. And then we get back to where her son is. We see him at the end of the hallway. He's passed out in a stretcher, still handcuffed. And the police officer was talking to one of the nurses. And we walk all the way down. And she turns to me one more time and she says, seriously, honey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for angels for you. I don't know how you did this. I don't know how, you know, I just happened to get you of all people. But this was fate and I needed to meet you. And I looked at her, I said, I think I needed to meet you too. And it just happens that way. And when we turned, her son was sitting upright in the bed, in the hospital bed. Eyes were open and his head just tilted at me. And I could hear crackling in his neck. And she says, baby, what's wrong? Are you okay? Are you feeling okay? And he tells her to shut up. And I'm thinking, oh, great, here we go again. And then he says, damn it, I really wanted him. And I said, you wanted who? And he looked at me and he said, this guy, stupid. I wanted him. I wanted him so bad. And I just kind of froze. My stomach was twisting. I felt like I was going to just throw up everything in my body. And then the mother she grabs me and she says that's not my son look at him look at his face and before i knew it the man's face was shifting it was almost like it was changing right before our eyes and i said so who are you and he said well today i was just a vial of pills and just when you think you're okay i'm right there charlie and he was talking in such riddle-like sentences. I couldn't keep up, so I don't exactly remember entirely what he said. I was just so shocked, and I turned to call the police officer, and it was weird. I called officer, you know, so somebody could come over in case he was going to try to break out again, and the officer just was not listening to me. It was like I was screaming at him, but he couldn't... I was only about 10 feet away, and... When I turned back to look at him, he said, he can't hear you. And he just looked at me and he said, I'll see you soon, Chuck. I'm going to see you real soon. And then the guy closed his eyes and he fell backwards on the bed. What turns my stomach the most about this is no one's ever called me by my first name. I've always been called by my last name. Everyone that I worked with always called me Bauer. Not many people ever called me by my first name on that entire call. My name was never said. The mom didn't even know my name. So that twisted quite a few corners for me. Of course, right after that had happened, the gentleman started throwing up. And he started gagging and hacking, so I ran and I got him a bucket. And he just hurled so much into this bucket. And he was sweating. And he had like foam coming out of his mouth too. Like he was about to seize. And the mom is grabbing him and she's hugging him. And then he starts crying. And again, his hands were cuffed. So the officer had to go and uncuff one of his hands. 
and he was watching him and he says, you know, if you try anything funny, we're going to cuff you again. And he's just crying and he says, mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I did all those things to you. And she says, it's okay, baby. It's okay. And he says, no, it's not okay. And he says, remember when your money went missing last week? I stole your money. I took it. I did it all. I sold your ruby ring. I sold your earrings. I took all of dad's stuff. I did it all. And I'm so sorry. I did it for drugs and I did it for gambling. And there was so much more that this guy said. And of course, I'm not going to repeat every of it because it's kind of graphic. But he had confessed sins that he had did almost his entire life. He was purging out all of his sins to his mother and how sorry he was. A couple days later, we got an update on this patient. Now, of course, just because whether you believe an angel came and healed him or not, or whatever you think had happened, there's a lot of maintenance that comes after this. So the update was that he was linked with a behavioral health specialist right after he was discharged from the psych center, and he was able to make it into a clinic rehab. So he did make some type of recovery. Whatever happened to him after that, who knows? Um, I just know he was able to at least get the help that he needed, which is what matters. But right as we were leaving, the mother was just praying to angels. And I don't think she really realized what was going on. I have my own belief of what I think happened to this guy, especially towards the end. But it was just way too freaky for me. This was before I had gone to the Shanley, so it's not like I could call up one of my friends and ask, you know, what do I do about this? What is going on? And I had nobody to ask for advice about this at the time. Now, my partner, he was kind of skeptical. And when we left the hospital that night, I remember a charger, a black charger pulled out in front of us just as we got onto the street. And he said, oh, come on, seriously? Darn traffic. And we look on the license plate and the license plate read DVL 6 six six he became a believer after that he said that's not a coincidence there's no such thing as a coincidence when someone's talking about demons and the devil and then that's the type of license plate you see he said you know my grandma always told me to pray to saints i'm gonna pray to saints now he was totally freaked out after that as for the science behind all this i'll be honest with you i don't know what it was you know, maybe it was that flash of light that could have very much just been his spirit or his soul coming right back to us, you know, coming right back to reality. As for what happened to him, that I do not know. All I know is he made a redemption for himself that day. And it was almost like he was no longer wanted by these things. And that's how he recovered. I don't care what people's beliefs are, but what I've learned from that experience and throughout my entire spiritual experience is that evil is real and they will wait for us at the right moment. They wait for you at your weakest. When you turn to behaviors to relieve your stress, gambling, drinking, um, you know, any type of drugs, anything that puts us in a relief state where we think we're okay, that's when the evil preys on us. And I'm not going to get biblical on people, but if you go to tarot, 
the devil card reverts to all toxic behaviors. And in a sense, that's exactly what happened to this young man. He turned to a toxic behavior, and in this sense, that's how evil got him. Just something to think about. But regardless, I hope you all enjoyed this story, and I hope you learned something from it. And if you didn't, I still hope you enjoyed it. And I hope what it at least teaches people is that the truth will set you free. Thank you all for listening, and I do not own rights to any of this music.